The market doesn't joke around, so why would you? Get serious. Choose Tasty Trade. Tasty Trade gives you the tools you need to make smarter moves. Dig into data with advanced charting, track profit accurately with order chain trackers, see risk clearly with curve analysis, and trade with low-capped commissions, stocks, options, futures, and more. All on one platform. No wonder serious traders choose Tasty Trade. Join the club, genius. Tasty Trading is a registered broker-dealer and member of FINRA and SIPC. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, stimulus, will they or won't they, continues and frustration builds on and off the hill. If you're playing politics, I don't understand why they didn't do this sooner. And if you want to make sure that you get a deal passed and you actually want to get money out, I don't know why they didn't do this sooner. It's stupid. Netflix, the pandemic staple, may have to step it up to win streamers. Tech watcher Rich Greenfield. There's just a ton of content coming and really no competition. And C-Spot Help, the robot dog that could make essential workers a little safer. Boston Dynamics CEO Robert Plater. There's a lot of workers packed into the logistics infrastructure of the country, and if you can reduce that somewhat by having robots doing some of the repetitive menial tasks, then uh, maybe you can reduce density. Those stories, plus Joe's big day out. Kings, they're beautiful, they're great, it's a great place. I do go into a, uh, what is the other one, ShopRite or something. You can't believe the difference in prices. And Andrew's big night in. Friday night it is. Bill Murray, Sofia Coppola, Apple Plus. It's Wednesday, October 21st, 2020. Squawk Pod begins right now. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Andrew. Okay, let's uh, get over to Washington. Uh, we're going to talk about, uh, I call it a soap opera, but really it's, it's a reality show, and it really means a lot to so many millions of Americans. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi says she is now optimistic that Democrats may be able to reach a deal with the White House on a new COVID-19 relief package and get that aid out by early next month. But Senate Republicans she says, aren't on board. Elon Mui joins us with more this morning. Good morning. Well, that's right, Andrew. The White House and Democrats are still trying to work out a deal, but Senate Republicans are ready to throw in the towel. Majority Leader Mitch McConnell has reportedly encouraged the White House not to commit to a deal until after the election. He is worried that this could affect the timing of a vote over the Supreme Court nominee, as well as divide the GOP caucus ahead of the election. Now, Senate uh, GOP Republican Mitt Romney said flat out that he is not going to support a $1.8 trillion price tag that the White House is offering, and he is not sure that that would even pass the Senate. Meanwhile, his colleague Kevin Kramer said that he's not sure the president can change anybody's mind. Or he could get Republican votes if, if they would come to some sort of an agreement around that number. Um, I'm not sure. So still, the Treasury Secretary and House Speaker Nancy Pelosi will be back on the phone again this afternoon as her office does say that they are moving closer to an agreement. Guys, even though they blew past the deadline that she had set yesterday, she did say that it showed that both sides are serious about finding compromise. Back over to you. So, so here's the question I'd, ha I'd have for you. And, and by the way, credit to Becky, because she's made this point over and over again, that even if the president comes up with a plan, uh, that the Republicans may not ultimately go along with it. What does that mean in terms of that disconnect for, I hate to say, it, the politics of, of the next two weeks? Yeah, I think that, you know, first we saw division over dollars, then we saw division over policy. Right now, what we're seeing is a divide over politics. And 
I think the calculus for a lot of vulnerable GOP senators who are looking at whether they can even get reelected is, you know, do they go along with what the president wants? But if they do that, do they risk alienating part of their base that are fiscal conservatives at heart? This puts them in a really tough position, and that's why they just don't want to take this vote or have to make this decision before the election. This is something that politically could be better for them to kick the can right. down the road, see how things shake out on November 3rd, and then go from there. Which is, Andrea, I'll throw this out to both of you. I mean, that's kind of the point I've been making for a long time. Why, why wouldn't Pelosi say, okay, cut a deal with the president who does want to get $1,200 stimulus checks out to everyone with his name on it, and then put the pressure on the Senate? I, I don't understand why they didn't take this tax sooner, unless it's a situation where Nancy Pelosi can't control her own party either. She needs to talk tough on this, or she's not going to have the votes. I, I don't know the answer to that, but I mean, if, if, if you're playing politics, I don't understand why they didn't do this sooner. And if you want to make sure that you get a deal passed and you actually want to get money out, I don't know why they didn't do this sooner. It's stupid. Well, hard to say that Nancy Pelosi yep. wouldn't have her party with her because they already passed. You know, they, they've made multiple efforts in the House level to pass stuff before, and they have. So I'm not sure that, that Nancy Pelosi doesn't have but her party the, with her. The, the, other, I, the other thing is, is though, if, if you don't do it now, right now you have a president who is going to put pressure on the Republicans in the Senate. And if you don't win the Senate as the Democrats, then you are going to have an even less likely chance of getting anything passed post the election. Um, look, well, that was, right now that was you've the got a president who wants to get stuff out. We, but but, but it, let, me put out this, gonna, let me raise one more point too, Becky. Sorry, is that, you know, Pelosi has been saying throughout this process that she is optimistic about finding a deal, right? But she says she's optimistic and then lists the 15 points of where they have disagreements and where... She says that President Trump disrespects science, isn't willing to crush the virus, et cetera. So by continuing yeah. these negotiations, she's actually able to keep a spotlight on the talking points that Democrats have been trying to hammer home, which is that President Trump doesn't have control of this. So perhaps by continuing to negotiate, she can continue to show the way that Democrats and Republicans are handling this differently, and that becomes a political advantage. I think that you're right in that they waited almost too long, and now that they're so close to the election, they simply can't bridge the political divide. Elon, I just want to go back to That's one point mess. you made, and you've made this point over and over again, that it very well may be that we don't get a plan until after the election, but if, that if we don't get one till after the election, we really may not get one till February. What, it, how do you handicap that? You know, I, I don't know. I think it really depends on what the dynamic is after November 3rd. It is possible that all of the negotiating that we're seeing right now is just laying the groundwork for a deal on December 11th when they'll have to pass a government funding bill that does uh, provide some urgency, some sort of vehicle uh, toward getting something done. But if the nation and if Capitol Hill is even more divided than we are right now, which is hard to imagine, but certainly possible, um, then it could be not until after there is a new administration or a readministration, if you will. So I, I think it really will depend on what happens on November 3rd, but it could be that they take all of the work that they've done so far and just transfer that to December. It is an option, but we'll just have to see. Elon, thank you so much for helping us uh try to understand this, uh, what seems like endless saga. Amazon is launching a new service for Prime members, free one-hour grocery pickup at all Whole Foods stores in the United States. To qualify, orders have to total at least $35. Before today's announcement, Prime members could only pick up grocery orders at select stores, 
Big questions about this. Uh, guys, I don't know if you've tried this service, uh, the Whole Foods service through them. Uh, the biggest problem I've seen, it's a little bit of a rare misstep for Amazon, but the biggest problem I've seen is that they don't have a very good idea of the inventory in any of those stores. So you can order something online, they may not have it in the stores, and they substitute some pretty crazy things. Um, and, and again, for something like Amazon, you expect the technology to be really good, but I haven't seen them able to link up what inventory in the stores is with what they're offering you online to this point. I don't know if you guys have tried it. No, 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 no. I got a great it's place. A, it's, I wasn't yeah. talking I to thought, you. I knew you had tried it. What did Andrew They call it. <laughs> It's above my pay grade. It's a, they call it whole paycheck. I can't. Yeah, we don't paycheck. go to Whole Foods. We're not. We're no. not a whole. We're not a Whole Foods family. No. <laughs> not, we have. We have. You know. It, it, you don't. I need, saw you tweeting about some of the yogurt or frozen ice cream or something that you're eating. How much is that per pint? Yes. You can uh, go, that is uh, the most expensive yogurt you could possibly buy. I think they might. I don't know if they sell that at Whole Foods. I think they do actually in a couple of them. But we. I'm not. We're not a Whole Foods family for whatever, for whole for whatever reason. No, no. And, and yeah. you, you can go to King's, which is three-quarter paycheck, not quite whole paycheck. I mean, you, you can, I mean, why pay less? <laughs> right. But King's, they're beautiful, they're great, it's a great place, and it's close. King's and are nice stores. They are not. I've got, uh. And that is one of the things that has been different. I have gone either every day or every other day since through this whole thing. You're now thing, doing so. the grocery shopping. I appreciate that. I do. I so do. I, I, sharing I, a little I'm, bit of I'm home to do distribution the, of workload. My wife's got about six jobs, and she's busy as I know. Uh, I do, I do a lot of things. I do a lot I know. of things. I, I, I This is a big step up for you, helping out a little bit at home. I appreciate it. That's um, not true guys, at all. Guys, let me tell you about I mean, I, I, that's not true at all. I, I haven't loaded the dishwasher very often, but but I do do the shopping, and I make my son lunch and stuff like that. So, Lately? Okay, so. Oh, okay. You, you, okay, that's for, right. For I, I, I know time. you help with Scott. That's, yeah, yeah, I might make myself legit. lunch. I give you that. All right. Kings. And I know you clean place. up after the dogs. Why pay less? Yeah. I mean, I, I do go into a, uh, what is the other one, ShopRite or something. You can't believe the difference in prices. I mean, it's like, wow, $4 for, for this? It's like $12 at King's. <laughs> I love that you know this, Joe. I love that you know this. You could do prices right any day. I this probably is good. could. I probably um, could. Yeah. Good prizes. I'll take what's behind door number two. Next on Squawk Pod, Netflix has a rare quarterly miss. Is this hot stock of the pandemic cooling off? Analyst Rich Greenfield. If you start to look out over the next few years in terms of their pricing power, this thing's going to generate dramatic free cash flow. Back after this. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This is Squawk Pod from CNBC. Here's Andrew Ross Sorkin. Netflix just reported its worst ever earnings miss. Investors not fans of the latest quarterly results from the streaming giant. Julia Borston's on the West Coast this morning. She joins us with what went wrong in Q3. Was it Netflix or was it the analysts, Julia? Well, expectations were certainly high. And then Netflix shares today, we see them plummeting on the biggest earnings miss since Netflix went public. 
those earnings falling 19% short of those analyst expectations. Now, with Netflix, of course, it's always about that subscriber number. It fell short of the company's already lowered expectations. The company added just 2.2 million subscribers in the quarter and guided to the addition of fewer subscribers in the fourth quarter than anticipated. Now, that's not all. Looking ahead to next year, Netflix warns of some very tough comparisons, but co-CEO Reed Hastings saying he's not concerned about competition. We compete so broadly. We compete for time against, you know, TikTok and YouTube, as well as HBO, as well as Fortnite. So really the the limiter for us is, you know, what's the quality of our service? Um, How often, how many nights do you say, oh my God, I want to go to Netflix and, and, you know, watch the next show. In contrast to Netflix, Snapshare's soaring after beating expectations of about 21%, beating expectations really across the board. Snap's revenue growing 52%, more than double the growth rate that analysts projected, with a surprise profit of one cent per share. That's compared to the five cent per share loss that analysts anticipated. Now, Becky, what's really interesting here is that Snap has really benefited from COVID, pushing advertisers to try their augmented reality ad formats and also, guys, there was a subtle dig at Facebook. Sounds like they may have benefited from that Facebook ad boycott. Wow. Um, Julia, stay here. We want to bring in another voice to the conversation as well. Rich Greenfield joins us right now. He's, of course, partner and co-founder at Lightshed Partners. And Rich, I want to start with Netflix first, then we'll get back to the Snap story. But, but Netflix, you say the real story here is that the bear story is gone. What do you mean? These are disappointing numbers, but it does come after a very strong first half for the, for the company for, for subscriber ads. Yeah, like, look, I heard the commentary that you were just talking about in terms of, like, the biggest miss in the history of Netflix. But remember, this is a company where, again, people are very focused on the subscriber trends. And the subscriber trends in the first two quarters far outseated in terms of the beat, far outside of the miss here. I think the real story that people should be talking about is that not only are they generating you know substantial free cash flow this year, but even next year as production is in full swing again, they're talking about that they may be at break-even free cash flow. And so the, the financing, you know, the, the sort of the bare thesis on Netflix for years was that they don't have the money to finance all of this content. They're going to run out of capital. They won't be able to finance. They won't be able to raise capital. And that was sort of the, the, the bare thesis that's been ongoing for years and years. They're basically self-financing now. So the, the view that Netflix has a capital, you know, raising issue is now gone. And if you start to look out over the next few years in terms of their pricing power, and you're starting to see them move up price in Canada, recently in Australia, we think the U.S. will happen either in Q4 or early Q1. Pricing power, and all of a sudden, you don't have any cash flow needs in terms of having to raise capital. This thing's going to generate dramatic free cash flow. I mean, you're going to see this scale to billions and billions of free cash flow a year. That's what people should be talking about. Look, beating, missing numbers is never a good thing for a stock. I get why it's down today. It makes sense that it's down. It's had a huge run this year. But I think this is more about consolidating as it continues to move higher. Yeah, to, to that point, I think the company said on the call that if there had been another 48 hours in the quarter, they would have met their projections or even exceeded some of their projections on this. But, but Rich, when you see a, a pullback of about 5.3% today, does that represent a buying opportunity to you, given how much the stock has already run this year? Absolutely, because I think the thing that you need to be thinking about, Becky, is when you think about what's happened over the last sort of like six weeks, 
what's really become clear? One, the pandemic isn't just disappearing. You're seeing it flare up again in the U.S. You're seeing it flare up across a lot of Europe, even parts of Australasia. Like, this is not going away. And so we're all going to be more homebound or, you know, in terms of, you know, kind of entertainment activity for a longer period of time, unfortunately, over the course of the next six to nine months. At the same time, the movie calendar has cleared out. Like, all of the movie studios have essentially delayed all of their content to second half 2021, if not into 2022. And so the, the path for Netflix, the runway, has been completely cleared. They were going to be putting out movie after movie. They've got a Ron Howard movie, Hillbilly Elegy, comes out in a few weeks, an animated feature, Over the Moon. There's just a ton of content coming and really no competition. And so I think that's going to really yeah. bode well. And so the I new, would use this no as a buying opportunity. Exactly. Yeah, the new there is no there is no alternative. Hey, hey Rich, let, let's talk about Snap and this this other story that Julia just uh, set up with it. I, let's give incredible. you a shout out first of all. You did say a year ago today that you were initiating coverage on this stock with a twenty dollar price target, and you took some heat for that. Obviously, we're well past that now, especially with these gains that we see overnight on this. But is this a pandemic story? I mean, you think about kids who use this so heavily, not being able to do so many other things they would. There's you know very little. Uh, out, very few outlets for where kids can spend their attention these days. Is this something that you think outlasts the pandemic? You know, the, the sort of the funny thing is, is that this wasn't really about user growth in the U.S. I mean, users, daily active users, which is that DAU metric that a lot of people focus on, the U.S. was flat. So this wasn't about skyrocketing numbers of users in the U.S. Overseas, I mean, I think they grew a lot in India, and that was very helpful. But the real story here is that advertisers are embracing Snapchat. And I think the team that's been hired, Jeremy Gorman, who came over from Amazon, Peter Naylor, who came over from Hulu, they have really done an amazing job of showcasing to advertisers the power of the Snapchat audience. This is a very tough audience to reach on linear television through most other mediums. It's hard to reach this group. They've done a great job showcasing that. They said on the call last night that they had a record number of new advertisers come on board. They're still a fraction of Facebook. You know, I'd say the trend here is this is not just Snapchat, right? I mean, this is helping Facebook, helping Pinterest, helping Twitter. I mean, there's something going on fundamentally where advertisers, because of COVID, I think are shifting faster away from traditional evening television and looking for how can they reach this audience, especially a younger audience, more and more content on places like Snapchat. Obviously, there's a lot of upside as you think about growth. You know, they talked about 50% growth in Q4, which I think you mentioned was sort of their, their guidance commentary. But remember, they exited the quarter probably growing in the 60s, if not mid-60s. So feels pretty conservative, especially if we're going to be locked, not locked, but certainly more homebound over the course of the next several months, which is probably going to mean the e-commerce trends that you've seen sort of broadly across the market will continue to be a nice tailwind behind Snapchat. And I think it really just yeah. speaks to Evan Spiegel has done a great job bringing on executives and pulling. You know, this company was dying two years ago. I mean, it was a $5 stock. It was right. dying. And they've got morale is up. People are excited. And advertisers want to be there now. Julia? 
Yeah, I think what's really interesting, Becky, is you asked if it's a COVID story, and I think the COVID story is really about the advertisers. And and Rich uh, mentioned this, but it's really about advertisers being pushed to try new formats. The advantage that Snap has, it has all this augmented reality uh, technology that was first only useful for the fun filters that were just for fun. They were not really revenue generating, but now those filters are being used to help sell things. And we're seeing such a broad array of advertisers say, okay, I'm not going to be putting my ads on TV or I'm going to look for a more measurable way to invest in reaching my younger consumers, which are the hardest to reach. So let's let them try on the nail polish with an augmented reality filter or try on the glasses. And so there's this whole push of advertisers trying to figure out how to leverage these new tools. And I think that if those tools are really working, which it seems like they are, then that could benefit Snap over the long run and really convert those advertisers more permanently, Becky. Julia Rich, thank you. Great to see both of you. Thank you. I wonder if there's so much money that the, the mediocre uh, developers and writers are, are, are getting a shot or something. I mean, I would think that more money would mean better, better stuff. I think the pandemic's affecting it, too, but uh, I haven't seen it. I'm looking all over. I look at things that are, you know, people are watching this. I go, you know, on the net, it's, they are amazing in terms of this is what you've watched. This is uh, what uh, most people, this is the top ten. For, and I, I, I'm aware of what Netflix is offering me right now. I'm just not buying most of these things. So let's get some, you know, let's get back, get our nose to the grindstone, get these guys working on some good creative content. You got a good one for me? I'm like back on the Tudors, which was like 2011 or something. Um, so I, I don't know what to do. I, I tried to watch uh, the Borges, but I got tired. I, you know, I can only watch things about the Pope for so long, I guess. Andrew, you got anything for me? There's no Fowler. I got two things for you. So first There's of no all, Friday night's going to be a Friday night is going to be huge on Apple Plus because I, I don't have six Apple episodes. Plus. I don't uh, have uh, Apple Tehran Plus. Tehran is going to drop. Hold on. And then your favorite and Becky's favorite, Bill Murray, in a movie with Sofia Coppola oh, called I All the Rocks, that. is dropping on Friday night. And my wife and I have an appointment to watch it. So I'm worried about uh, that. Maybe movie. we can do a we can all worried do a group review that. on Monday. It worried it's excellent. gonna be like the yeah. Adam Sandler bomb. I'm worried about that movie. No way. I, I've I've watched I think the, it's extended, gonna be good. the extended preview for it. I want in. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Friday night it is. In a long time. Bill Murray, Sophia Coppola, Apple Plus. Coming up on Squawk Pod, the robot dog that's headed into the workplace. But don't worry, our human jobs aren't going anywhere yet. CEO of Boston Dynamics. It's still important that people will be managing teams of robots and dealing with the common sense kinds of intelligence that robots really aren't capable of yet. And you actually are saying that most people do have that common sense that robots are missing? Hi, I'm Ben. I suffer from a condition called writer's block. It strikes when I'm at work. That's why I choose Canva Magic Write. It works fast, generating texts in seconds, thanks to AI. Common side effects include increased productivity, compliments from coworkers, feelings of satisfaction. Now I can say bye-bye to writer's block. Ask your boss if Canva Magic Write is right for you at canva.com, designed for work. Canva. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. 
absolutely, positively FedEx. Welcome back to Squawk Pod. Good morning and welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Joe Kernan, along with Becky Quick and Andrew Ross Sorkin. If you have ever watched uh, any Squawk Box, you'll probably recognize the Boston Dynamics robot Spot. Uh, take a look, though. Spot's getting an upgrade. Uh, and in the time of the coronavirus, it's also now being used to help take care of patients. Uh, Join us now to talk about new robotic applications for a pandemic world as Boston Dynamics CEO uh, Robert Plater, there's about 300 uh, spots deployed at, uh, at this time. And, and I understand, Robert, you just had uh, yesterday uh, the first uh, developer and customer event to explain uh, spot and some of the new applications uh, and features that might work during the pandemic. And it was virtual, obviously, but um, there's an arm now and a docking, also an enterprise version too. Can you just tell us what all that means, Robert, and what it'll be used for? Uh, yeah, sure. So uh, yeah, we're just approaching our one year anniversary from the launch. We have about 300 robots out in the field now with customers. And one of the needs uh, was a recharging station so that that's the dock, so that the robot can uh, automatically go back and recharge itself and then continue on its missions. And that allows spot to cover a much broader uh, range and be located remotely and, and uh, autonomously. Uh, the arm uh, is uh, a module that we can add to the robot that lets it actually do work. It'll be able to open doors or drawers or throw a, a power switch or turn a valve. So uh, you could remotely you know, dial in and if there's an issue and it needs a little manipulation, um, the robot could do that for you. So it's 75 or approximately a base level. Um, what is it with the arm and the docking? What, what, what would the spot go for at that point? Well, we haven't figured out exactly what the pricing uh, is going to be for those additional items. Uh, they would be, you know, add-ons above uh, sort of the Explorer option that you mentioned there. Uh, we're calling that the enterprise uh, version, especially when you add the, the recharging station uh, and that arm. You also, we're going to get to the pandemic uses, but... I just want to quickly mention this alliance with Trimble, where uh, you're going to be able to to actually. Um, I mean, unfortunately, I think there's 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 people doing this now, but it's it's the way of the future. I understand that, but could you explain the the alliance with with Trimble and what that would allow you to do at construction uh, sites? Uh, in yeah, terms yeah. Of Trimble is. Uh, we're very excited about this a partnership that we just announced yesterday. Uh, Trimble is one of the you know biggest manufacturers of precision you know scanning and surveying equipment, and by mounting that equipment on spot, uh, you can uh, repeatedly and even continuously you know collect data on your construction site. And so, uh, yeah, people are doing that now. But I think to increase the data rate uh, that we're you know operating a construction site with, uh, you might want a robot that's doing it you know every day, for example. Exactly. Okay. Now, so what? None of us obviously would like to be around COVID, and we, we you know, the, the greatest heroes we have are the people that put themselves in, in, in that position. How does how has Spot taken uh, some of the onus off of, of people for, for dealing with the pandemic? Well, even on construction sites, you know, they're trying to control how densely workers are located there. So. 
Uh, I think if you could have spot, you know, collecting some of the data that normally would require people to be there and do it in a remote fashion, you can get the same data or maybe even better data, but have fewer people on site. Um, and that's generally true about all of these mobile robots in the logistics space. Same deal. You know, there's a lot of workers packed into the logistics, uh, you know, uh, infrastructure of the country. And if you can reduce that somewhat by having robots doing some of the repetitive uh, menial tasks, then uh, maybe you can reduce uh, density. And it, so that's a point that you make, and you made it in, in, in an op-ed for us uh, last month, I think, for uh, actually it was, a, it was, it was a, a different op-ed, if you've written one for us, but that it's not going to take away jobs. It's going to make the jobs that humans perform safer uh, and more efficient. You know, the reality is, is yeah, two days ago, the Wall Street Journal reported that the logistics, you know, the parcel delivery infrastructure is already at capacity. They can't get enough workers in place and keep them safe. Um, and the reality is, is these robots still need to be managed by people. And so we don't see it as taking jobs, but really elevating what they do, allowing people to use their true intelligence and, uh, you know, common sense, which robots don't really have, and uh, manage them and, and keep that uh, infrastructure operational. I mean, given the Internet of Things and, and, and where technology is moving, I can think of like dozens more uh, add-ons to spot. Do you, I guess you have a whole division trying to figure that out at this point, right? You know, I think it's one of the interesting things that uh, we built spot as a platform that has both software and hardware interfaces so that you can build different kinds of payloads. You know, uh, I saw one the other day. Uh, uh, there's a radiation sensing payload. So for when Spot goes in and looks at a nuclear power plant, you know, you can measure that. Or maybe there'll be a gas sensing payload if you're trying to find methane leaks. Um, again, you know, the arm and different uh, manipulators. So uh, there's a lot of options, and we're working with, you know, over a dozen companies building applications on top of Spot, uh, which, you know, they have expertise for. And we provide basically the mobile platform. Hey, John, real quickly, um, I don't mean to sound cute with this, but with artificial intelligence making such leaps and bounds, I, I really do wonder, do these robots have self-awareness? Is there a point there that they will have self-awareness? How far off are we from, like, iRobot? We're a long ways off. You know, we build enough intelligence into these robots that they can really get around. You know, they're mobile. They can avoid obstacles. Uh, but they still don't have common sense. You know, um, something silly might happen that... Uh, any person would recognize instantly, but the robot you know, hasn't been trained to recognize that. So uh, that's why I think uh, it's still important that people will be managing teams of robots and dealing with the common sense kinds of intelligence that, that robots really aren't capable of yet. And you actually are, are, are saying that, that most people do have that common sense that robots are missing out <laughs> of? I mean, have you not been, uh, you following the election season this year? You're well, I'm not talking about politics. I'm talking okay. about whether or not a box tipped its okay. contents out. <laughs> All right, because I, I mean, I, you're picking on spot. I, I, I think it's a lot closer than you think between spot uh, and humans. You know, spot a, a has a kind of intelligence that you know we worked really hard to build in. We call it athletic intelligence, and it's sort of a smart an, an intelligence about the way its body moves in the world. And uh, you know, it was really hard. It took us decades to figure it out so that a robot could really be as mobile as it needs to be. So yeah. there, there is some real intelligence in Spot. It's, it's just not what people normally think of. You and I take that 
intelligence for granted. You know, we've had it ever since we were two or three or four years old. No, we old. haven't. You haven't seen my, me play golf. No, I don't have any of that <laughs> athletic intent. Robert, thank you. I, I appreciate it. And, and we look forward to, like, years in the future to see exactly what Spot's up to because it's, uh, uh, it's very good. cool. Okay, thanks. thanks, Rob. That's the podcast for today. Thanks for listening. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 a.m. Eastern. And to get the smartest takes and analysis from our TV show right into your ears, subscribe to Squawk Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tweet us at Squawk CNBC. Tell us what you think. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.